Please listen carefully. Hi, this is Paul Frields. And I'm Dave Guzman. Welcome to Practical Bass, where each week we find a topic of interest to you, the working bass player, and we unpack it and look at it from a lot of different directions. Um, each week we rely on topics that uh, either Dave or I dream up or that are submitted by you, the listener, and we hope that you guys will feel free to get in contact with us. You can do that through our website at practicalbase.com. You can also email us at podcast at practicalbase.com. Uh, you can also get in touch with us on Facebook or Google Plus or Twitter. Uh, we even have an Instagram feed if you want to share your uh, pictures of gear or even just uh, you know share a screen of text that tells us about your idea. Any of those things is fine. We love to hear from you guys. And you can also tag it as well, pound practical base. Or is that hashtag practical base? I have to be like a cool kid, but I'm right. not. Not a cool kid anymore. Too old. You're just cool. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that either. Anyway, well, let's let's dive in. Um, Dave, what are we going to talk about this week? This week's topic is wait for it, the truss rod. The truss rod. Yeah. I feel like we should have some musical effects there. I'm not yeah. sure. It may end up in the final thing. Who knows? Right. I mean, or or we'll just have this awkward conversation about it and then move on. <laughs> that's a possibility also. <laughs> it's a high probability, depending on how much time I get this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk about, um, you know, basically what is the truss rod, um, you know, ways to adjust it, how it, how it figures into your setup, um, really, how does it work? And I, I can tell you that the truss rod, what's cool about it for me is it's that that one point uh, that my wife thinks I'm like really technical because she's she'll ask me like oh, what do you have to do like before you go to your gig or you know like she's just trying to get an idea of my timeline yeah. I'm like yeah yeah I got to pack up I got to do this, this and I'm like I also need to adjust my truss rod I just feel like a mechanic like I feel like <laughs> next level she's just like oh oh you oh that's high level wow okay so well, do you need some space for that like she like right. some yeah yeah. yeah. Definitely. Well, I'll get out of your way then. Right. You big know. business. Right. <laughs> the truss rod is big business. That's our, <laughs> that is going to be our theme this episode. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I guess if we're going to talk about the truss, I mean, it, it makes sense to sort of define what it is. You know, if you've heard yeah. about a truss rod and you don't know what it is, I mean, hopefully this, you know, if, if you have, we'll still have some points of interest in this podcast. So do not tune out yet, but we want right. to make sure we catch everybody up, right? Because not all of our listeners necessarily know a lot about setup. Um, and that's one of the things that we are trying to impart to listeners is, you know, how to get to that next level by sort of mastering your equipment and your instrument. Right. Um, and the truss is an important part of that. Um, the truss is uh, usually one, um, occasionally two, Right, depending on the instrument, mm -hmm. certain types of instruments with really wide necks, um, but usually it's one or at least your one control, even if it's a, a compound rod. But um, it's it's one adjustment and a rod inside the instrument neck, and it's sort of anchored at one end, and it has an adjustment at the other end. And as you turn the adjustment, usually you're going to do that with an Allen wrench. Occasionally. And Allen wrenches, for those of you who are, who are not hardware guys, um, those are those wrenches that basically they just look like a big L and they're shaped 
the cross section is shaped like a hexagon, right? Like right. A, a you know a six sided. It's a six sided figure, right. and that Allen wrencher. It's sometimes called a hex key. Allows you to manipulate that rod and you have to have the right size to do it you always want to make sure you get the right size usually yeah. one is provided with the instrument if you aren't sure hex key sets are really cheap you can buy a set with assorted sizes at most hardware stores 10 maybe 15 dollars at the outside um they're really cheap yeah and they're essentially just a big piece of steel. So you don't really need to worry that much about quality. Um, you know, you just want to make sure that they're, you know, an assortment of sizes. Right. So one way that you uh, that you might adjust is with an Allen wrench. In some cases, however, I have seen trusses that are adjusted with uh, a socket driver, which oh. basically think of that as the opposite of a hex key. So it's like the, fem you know, a female end. It's uh, right. basically like the it, it's got a hex shaped slot that you fit over the truss rod adjustment but in most cases right. it's going to be the the female end is going to be in the instrument and then you insert the key into that to make the adjustment right so you know you stick that the the, the hex key in and then the adjustment that you make is going to bend the rod more or less to counteract the tension in the neck from the strings. Right. Right. Like a big thing about strings is they're each string that you have on your base, you know, you tune it up yeah. and it's basically, you think of it as like pulling, it's pulling both sides of your base. It's pulling the, the headstock right from where it attaches at the tuner. It's exerting some force there. Yep. And then at the tail end at the bridge, uh, you're, you're exerting some force there as well so it's almost like a bowstring right? right think about your neck even though it's um you know obviously much thicker and we're talking about higher amounts of force it's basically acting like you know a bow like an archery bow right 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 because at the end of the day it's just a wooden neck right if there's nothing there then that wood's going to do whatever the wood wants to do and it'll probably end up bowing backwards and then yes. it's a huge mess yeah exactly exactly yeah and that's why you know a lot of times when you if you pack bases away for a long time um typically you do not want to take all the strings off of the base that's usually a bad idea now tuning it down a little bit is fine some people will tune down a half step mm -hmm. or a whole step or maybe even three half steps but really not any more of than that because if you if you let off all the tension on the neck, that's really not how the base was designed, and so right. now you've got nothing pulling it, you know, pulling it into shape. Right, and it can easily get that back bow. So yeah, yep. that's an that's an awesome point. So, you know, you put all the strings on the base, however many there are, four, five, six, whatever, and they are exerting a total amount of force on that neck, and so at the same time, um, the neck has to have some counterbalance to that right some of it is in the wood itself right but the truss is there to kind of accentuate or or counterbalance that so the truss is there so that you're straightening the neck out against that force up to the point that that you want right so when yep. you tighten the truss you're you're basically making the neck exert more force or pull back against the strings more, you know, creating an arch or a right. back bow, right? 
And what that's going to do is as you back bow, think of the, you know, think of the wood as curving the, think of the head of the bass as sort of bending back away from the strings. And what's going to happen is the strings are going to get lower and lower until, you know, if you were to, if you could adjust the truss enough to do this, in some cases you can, um, the strings literally will flat out against the neck. Like they'll, they'll end up, the, the neck will be bowed back so much that right. they're like kind of bottoming out. Right. And you can't get any sound out of the instrument at all. It'll just make this awful clacking sound. Right. Yeah. Whereas, you know, on the other, on the other side, if you, if you loosen the truss, then the strings are going to be exerting more of the force mm-hmm. and the neck will sort of become more like the archery bow, right? Right. Like bending away from the strings, your action is going to get a lot higher making it really hard to play yeah, and so on and so forth. Right. Right. So at, at really extreme, at really extreme points, it gets almost impossible to fret without, you know, <laughs> causing yourself like arthritic pain. Right. Right. So Dave, like we talked about what the truss adjustment does. Where, where is the truss adjustment on your base? I have an app for it. <laughs> it's how mine works that's what the guy days. told me yeah he said download the app just hit trust rod adjustment minus or plus and yeah. beep. and then and then i have to hold my phone up to my neck and it does it automatically <laughs> serious no uh mine oh my God. one uh, day one you know day what? that one day that'll be the case like there'll be like virtual instruments like that i know Someone's and like going to do that some crazy or like yeah, 2020 I've modeled the truss rod right in 2020 <laughs> uh yeah my uh mine's located in the headstock just right behind the nut kind of common spot for it yeah do you have um is there a little um uh like a little cover like for the that cover, or something like that actually mine doesn't have the cover um i will say like and i know it's common in 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 a lot of bases for that location and it's just odd it's an odd space for really for an Allen wrench to get in there sometimes yeah. and to do the adjustments that, you know, it's just, it's weird because you've got strings that are over it. So it does take some finesse to kind yeah. of get in there and be gentle with it or whatever. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, um, you, you know, in some bases you can make those adjustments while the strings are on mm-hmm. In others, like, I mean, I've seen five string bases that had the adjustment and basically it falls right under the the third string. Right. <laughs> it's almost it's almost impossible to I mean you really have to like you've got to like detune the third string and move it out of the way. I mean at right. a minimum. So yeah, that can be a pain. Yeah. On the other hand, you know there uh, you know there may be luthier requirements for why that happens a certain way. I'm sure. Yeah. Right. I mean I I know I've got bases that have that same that same exact adjustment place. Um yeah. And I've got other bases that have the adjustment down at the neck uh, mm-hmm. heel, right? Like where where it meets the body. Right. Um, now you will find like neck through bases, right? That that's what you've got. Uh, mine's right? actually not neck. Oh, through. yours is not neck no. through. No, it's bolt on. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So yeah. neck obviously. Well, so so yours is maybe an exception, but so but neck through bases. Right. Like you're always almost always going to find that adjustment at the headstock because right. you know there's nowhere else to put it right but in uh in the case of um a lot of bolt-ons like you know fenders and things like that you know music yeah. mans i think are like this and um uh my lakelands are like this yeah. um you have at the at the the uh, where where the neck meets the body right. right above the heel um that's where the adjustment is yeah 
in some cases you have to take off the pick guard on your base if you want to get to that adjustment because it like right. half covers up the right. joint, right? Like jazz bases are yeah. are like this. They're huh. like, you know, they're like famous for that. The Lakelands that I have have like a long slot in um in their pick guards and that lets me get a, uh, an Allen wrench in there to make an adjustment without removing anything, which right. is nice touch. You know? Yeah. So uh, some bases like my, my precision bases, you have to take the entire neck off if you want to adjust the truss rod because it's a gigantic, right. it's a gigantic Phillips screw head that you have to right. get into. So yeah, you actually have to take off the whole neck for those. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and it's, yeah, that can be fun. Um, you know, I've got a routine for doing that. Um, you know, and and we'll, we'll talk about like routines for doing this a little bit, but, um, you know, so when, so let's say that I'm coming to you and I'm saying like, Hey, I need to, you know, I I need to adjust the the trust in this, like the action's wrong. You know, how would you, how, like, what do you do? I mean, just Mm -hmm. go after and just start, you know, wrenching away. Yeah. First I grab a hammer. (laughs) <laughs> to go with your app just to scare to scare who's whoever the owner of the base is i'll fix the trust rod right right um yeah actually i do i've got a process um where you know there's the whole just first off to figure out where i am as far as action right so i'm going to go ahead and clip off the the first fret right with my left hand cuz I'm righty so with mm-hmm. my left hand and I and I do it while I'm while I'm sitting down cuz I want my base to be in in like its normal position yeah so I'm clipping on that first fret and then I'm taking my right elbow and kind of like pressing it against where I don't know what fret that is probably like the 17th fret or so but like right where the 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 string where the neck kind of meets the body mm-hmm. And so I'm using those two to gauge like what the, um, the, I guess it's like the seventh fret I'm usually using. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I'm looking at that because that's how I'm figuring out where my action yeah. is set. And then while my right elbow is, is kind of pressed against that, that part of the neck, um, in, in the hand of that elbow, I'm actually taking a feeler gauge mm-hmm. and then, um, like I've got a certain measurement, like 0.015 or whatever it is. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm putting it like right between the fret, the actual fret, not the, you know, not the fret board, not, you know, not the neck, but the fret. Right. And the string. The and top s- between the top of the fret and the string. And the bottom itself. of the string. Right. And that, seeing yeah. if it just like, I just wanted to basically like gently slide in, maybe it'll touch, but uh, both of them, you know, it doesn't have to have a lot of clearance, but I don't want yeah. to see the string move when I put it in. And I don't want there to be like room where I can kind of yeah. jiggle it around. Yeah. Yeah. It basically like just fits essentially. Right. Right. And, and now that 0.015, the feeler gauge is just like a, it, it's, it's like a mechanics tool. You yeah. can get it for like five or six bucks. Yeah. I think, and I think they make those also for like, isn't there like something about spark plug yes. settings? Like it's basically like distance that you want for a well-tuned spark plug or something. Right. In fact, I think I got mine like at a, at an yeah. auto shop, Yeah, like the auto department in Sears or something, whatever. Yeah. So and, if somebody out there is thinking like feeler gauge, like, oh, I need to go buy this $30 thing that they sell at my local guitar emporium of choice that we won't name here that yeah. know, jacks up their prices and all this stuff. You don't need that. Like go to the true value or right. you know you know whatever hardware store and 
Yeah, any yeah. place where they have basically like auto tools and you go yeah. to the auto section because that that is, and I think there's different types of feeler. You're, this is a very like simple one. I mean, you shouldn't be paying more than like five or $10 yeah. for it. Yeah, It's kind of the same thing as like the Allen wrench. They have all different sizes kind of loaded into one ring. And and be careful with these because the smaller ones will slice your finger. Yes, caution. Yes. Yeah, they're re- <laughs> yeah. Once you get yeah, once you get down to like that, you know, point zero eight, like point zero zero eight or something like that, or below, like it's basically almost like I mean, it reminds it's, it will be a razor blade at yeah. that point. Yeah, it's well beyond the paper cut level. Yeah, yeah, it you're gonna really hurt hurts. Yeah. So yeah, be careful. <laughs> so and so that's what I'm using just to basically age. Now that now that point zero one five that just happens to be like what I like for yeah. my setting. Right? Yeah, it's that's comfortable. Differ, yeah, for each player, like yeah, what they what they prefer. And and that's the only way that I can kind of figure it out because there's a way that you can like you can capo also yeah. right like you yeah. can capo the first fret but or you can call a friend but how embarrassing is it to like call a friend and be like hey I need a second set of hands to adjust my <laughs> trust rod. right like, so the so the way I do this um I kind of do it with the the poor man's way. Uh-huh. not I know I I have some of those gauges here right but I've kind of found like for me yeah once I could eyeball what like 0.015 or close to that, like 0.014 look yeah. like, I was okay with that. And so what I do is I'll hold the first fret and then I will put my pinky, so I will use my left hand. I'm a right-handed player. Yeah. So people would want to reverse their hands if they're dealing with the a left-handed base, but I will hold it like I was playing it. Right. right? And so I will, using my left hand, which I normally use for fretting, I would fret at the first fret. Right. And then I will use my pinky of my right hand to hold the 14th, hold down at the 14th fret. Yep. And then I reach up with my thumb of my right hand, and it's a bit of a stretch. It is a right. stretch, but you can make it. And I've got pretty small hands, so I'm guessing most people could do this. I Then I fret it at the 7th fret, right? Oh. And I do it by feel because I, you know, I can kind of see and feel – if I'm holding down at the first, right. holding down at the fourteenth, then I can see and feel what the clearance is yeah. at seven, and that is something that you you know you can get to by practice. There's nothing magical about it. Like it's not. Right. There's no skill, no talent involved. It's literally just <laughs> yeah. like after you've done the gauges for long enough, you can you right. get to that point too. And honestly a really good technician will always use a gauge because their perception is going to be off certain days and, you know, who knows what I am kind of playing it fast and loose. Right. I mean, it's just a base after all. I mean, we're not talking about like, I'm not firing (laughs) a space shuttle with like nine astronauts into space or something. (laughs) You know, the worst that happens is the action a little low or it's a little high. Okay. I can live with that. Right. But yeah, that's how I do it. And I kind of eyeball it as like, the height that I want at seventh fret is about the thickness of a good business card. Right. Like, you know, not a cheapo, you know, like, uh, oh, I printed this on my laser printer, but like, you know, nice. Good card stock. Good card stock. Yeah. And that's about right um, for me. And again, that's going to be a feel thing. So for some people, that action might be high. For other people, it might be really low. Like they might, they might not like that. So, I mean, encourage listeners, you know, try different heights you know use a feeler gauge yeah. set it at different heights and find out what feels best to you right right so i mean you know we talk about so we talk about this adjustment and uh you know one of the things i guess that we one of the things that we didn't really talk about is like how do you know when you need to do this um right. so here's my here, like i would say starting off 
one of the best things you can do for your instrument is get it set up by a professional. Like just start with that. Yeah. Know the gauge of strings that you have on it and the brand. And mm-hmm. hopefully they're ones that you like and you stick with. Right. Right. If you consistently use the same brand and gauge of strings and you have your instrument professionally set up, the only thing that you should ever have to do to your action from that point on is adjust the truss because that's the only thing that is changing. That's the only thing that's variable. Like the wood may, you know, due to temperature, humidity, whatever, it may change its attitude. It may change its tension, you know, like it, yeah you know, soaks up some moisture, changes its weight, things happen, right? But yeah. adjusting the truss will snap, you know, it'll get it right back into shape. Right. Um, but in order to do that, you sort of need to know, okay, what did it feel like and what did it look like and what were those gauges, This what were those feeler gauges telling me when it was set up well? Right. Right. And they can always get back to that. Yep. Yeah. So, so that's, I mean, I would say that's the really how you know you need to do it. Like if you're playing and you're, you know, um, the, the, the key, I think the key, um, the key factors are usually if you are playing at low frets, like, you know, first, second, third fret around there and you're hearing buzz, like you're hearing fret rattle and stuff like, like, you know, the, you're hearing it slamming against the frets, like a kind of noise. Yeah. You can, you can do this best when the amp is off. Right. And you yeah. listen to what your bass is telling you and you hear it buzzing on frets at ver- when you're playing at very low frets. Right. That's usually when you need to make one of these adjustments. Right. And how often right. does that happen to you? Uh, for me, you know, usually I'm, I'm about every two months. It's not exact. I don't have it on a calendar or anything, but I, I, typically I'm, I'm going to be, you know, doing some adjustment every two months just because the bass is it's going in and out of my house. It's, it's being, you know, moved into different locations. It's, it's one base that's getting a lot of use. Um, so I feel like two, about two months is that time that even, even if I feel like it doesn't need it, it, there's, there's like something about when I'm playing that I'll start to feel a little bit of strain in my left hand. Yeah. Like just, it, it gets a little bit more difficult and it's usually that time, which is usually about every two months. And then I look down and I'll do the quick check, you know, hit the one, hit the first fret, the second one. And I just eyeball it. I look at it. I can usually tell like, all right, that's what it is. That's where yeah. the struggle is. Yeah. Like I'm struggling because the action got really high or something. Yeah. And, yeah. and it could be minute, but if you're used to like a certain level, just that tiny amount of change will, will put strain on your yeah. left hand yeah. or like I'll play somebody else's bass that's set up like really nice and sweet. And I'll realize like, oh Yeah. It's time. Why does my instrument feel like this? Right. Yeah. I swear, <laughs> I paid a lot of money for it. Yeah. Why doesn't it ring like that? Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Like and, when and you the, got when you got your bass, your burrito. Bass, yes. And I played it, and just the action was amazing. And the first thing I did, like like that, right. that night when I got it, <laughs> like I I just like I took out my bass I was bringing to the gig. I'm like, yeah, I need to adjust this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I'm I would probably you know I probably do it a, with. The bases that I play most often, right. you know, a couple times a year, a few times a year, like when the seasons change right. or, you know, anytime I kind of detect, like if I, if that buzz is going on, I'll give it a listen. Right. And finally, like if I change string manufacturers, like manufacturer right. or gauge, yep. I'll, I'll always like go through a whole setup then when I right. do that. 
Yeah. So, you know, I don't change that very often, but when I do, that's a good time to do the setup. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, the one thing to say about the truss is um, no one should be, should be scared of adjusting the truss rod, but here's the key, small adjustments. Like you should never have to turn it, you know, more than like a quarter turn right. or maybe a third in an extreme case. But right. if you find yourself like, yeah, cranking if you find it. yourself cranking it like, hey, I've, I've done this lot, like I've turned it as far as it will go, put the wrench key back in and turned it again and turned it like, stop. Yeah. You, <laughs> yeah. you lost your orientation. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. The funny thing is I've always, I've always heard that and it's, it's always scared the, the crap out of me. So I've never done more than like that quarter turn yeah. and I've, and it's always tempted me. Like, I think I want to do like a half a turn just because I'm extreme. Right. But <laughs> the, the fear of like that unknown, cause I've never damaged, you know, but I'm always curious, like what happens? Like, yeah. does like hell freeze over or like what what actually happens to the truss rod if if you over adjust it? Yeah, I mean you'd have to. I'm, let's be fair about it. You'd have to over adjust quite a bit for right. this to happen. But you know if you if you if you overturn it and it's this is more likely to happen if you are tightening it. In other right. words, cr in in creating more back bow. Yep. If you're tightening it too much then it's possible actually to either snap the rod, right? Which right. can happen at some point down its length, yeah. right? Because it's, you know, there are anchors and things that are basically like, you know, in there to help it, to help it actually create the tension. So, I mean, you can, you can snap it at some point on, on its length, or you could, in some cases, truss rods have, like there may be a piece where the, the socket adjustment is. Right. And if you break that, then that adjustment no longer is going to work. Like right. It literally is just going to turn. Loose. Yeah. It's not even going to be affecting the truss anymore. Yeah. So that, you know, you, that's a terrible situation to be in. You don't want to do that because replacing a truss rod is really just not possible. Like right. you're down to a new neck. Like you got to right. go get a new neck at that point. You might as well just get a new base. Well, some people would say that, yes, <laughs> yes. If it's a neck-through instrument, that yeah. you may very well have to get a new bass at that point. Sorry, so. honey, broke my truss rod. Right. <laughs> yeah, that is a very bad situation. <laughs> so, yeah, it's always always small adjustments. And, you know, the best thing is, like, to do a little, like, do an eighth of a turn or a sixth of a turn or something like that. Let the instrument settle Tune, make sure everything's yeah. tuned back up and, 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 you know, check it and see what actually happened right. as a result. Like you don't have to do it all at once. It's not a race, you know, right. So you should never have to do this like in the middle of a gig, like, you know, the, the wood is not going to change that much that like, oh, in the first set, it felt great. In the second set, I had to adjust the truss rod. No, that's not, that's just not the case. Right. So, right. Um, yeah. So I guess. You know, if you have a if you have a neck through instrument, like a neck through by like where the neck is just part of the base, there's no, you know, it's mm -hmm. not bolted on or anything. I mean, pretty much you just, you know, do your adjustment. You know, to, you might tune down a little bit or move a string and then make the adjustment and then, you know, tune back up. Yeah. Check the action and see how things went. Yeah. If on the other hand, um, you have one of those bases where you have to remove the neck. Like this is classic, like for precision bases. Right. Um, you 
pretty much have to adjust. You have to take off the neck to adjust the truss rod. So if that is the case, then here's the order that you want to do it in. And I mean, this is something I learned from yeah. a repair guy years ago, and it's absolutely my my opinion the best way of going about it. So you you loosen the strings so that they are slack, like really slack. Right. Okay. So yep. I mean, at this point, the the strings should not be making any tones. They're literally just flopping around. Right. Right. They're still held into the to the body or the bridge. Right. And they're still on the um the peg heads at the right. uh, at the at the head, but you capo the base at the first fret. So you need a capo for this to keep. To keep it in in the headstock area, right, to keep that all right, stable. To keep those strings down so they don't just like fly off the right. tuners or whatever. If you have the open, right, like the open slot head yep. tuners, um, like a P base does. So, yeah, so you capo it there to keep the to keep the strings on. Then you turn over the instrument, and you probably want to be doing this on a bench or someplace where you can keep the base flat and everything mm-hmm. is you know well cushioned and things like that. Right. Turn over the instrument. And you're going to remove the bolts in uh, that are in the neck plate, right, right. on the back. Um, there's probably four of them. Like for a P base, there are four. I don't know. I guess maybe it's for some there are three, but whatever. However, some are five. However many there are, you're going to remove those bolts carefully with the right size screwdriver and the instrument well supported. Yep. And remembering that the last bolt that you take out, remember there's going to be some, you know, a little bit of stress on that from you know, the body wanting to kind of like uh, collapse down onto the, onto your, your table unless right. you have a, unless you have a, a cushion under that or a pad, which right. may be a good idea. So just, you know, be careful as you're doing it. But again, it's not a, this isn't a heart surgery. It's most people can manage this. Right. Take those bolts out. So that now you have your body and your neck separated you have to work the neck out of the joint usually it'll take some work because they're in there pretty tight usually yeah so don't be surprised if you have to like you know give it a a decent yank to get it out um but remember the stuff is wood you know it's okay um you know yeah you pull it out make your adjustment in that screw that's on the the heel of the of the neck right right which you have now exposed by taking it out of the joint you uh use your screwdriver Make an adjustment, usually no more than like a quarter turn at a time, right. like whether you need to loosen it, right? Lefty loosey, righty tighty. Right. That's how I think about it. No, that's that's <laughs> how everybody thinks about it. <laughs> good. That's that's, that's we were, good thinking. We were all born with that. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. So you so you do that. Now you have to go back and do everything the opposite way. Like you have to get the neck right. back and the heel back in the joint. And it is, if it was hard to get out, it is going to be hard to get back in. Don't, you know, don't panic. You can do it. Don't fret. Yeah. Yeah. And don't drink while you're doing this because it leads to bad judgment calls. Right. That's another show. Right. Um, <laughs> so you get that in there, get the neck heel in there. Good. Turn the base over, put the bolts back in. So now you have secured the neck completely to the body again. Make sure things are tight. Uh, don't, you know, this. don't use electric screwdrivers for this, in my opinion, because it's too easy to right. strip things and, like, you don't want to be in a situation where you can't take the neck off again. Right. Right. So tighten everything back up. Turn the base over, you know, hold it, you know, remove the capo, tune the strings up back to their normal, action, you know, their normal yeah. tuning and check the action to see how you did. Right. The bad part about this <laughs> is that you, if you have to do this multiple times, it is going to take you a while. Like this is not a two minute operation. So leave yourself plenty of time to do this. Yeah. And like an afternoon, 
Maybe you right. in an afternoon, you could probably do two or three instruments like this. Right. You know, but uh, yeah, so you just do this a little at a time, right? Yeah. And then see what happened. It's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Wow. Yeah. And and if that kind of work, I mean, if that worries, if that worries you, you know, don't, don't panic. And like, you know, yeah. you're, you can always take it to a repair guy or, you know, I know, you know, you have your, you know, your way of, of, right. of like recording what you're doing. Right. Yeah. So for, for me, you know, all these, all these steps, I just feel like there's the way that my brain works. I just feel like there's, there's room for error and, you know, I'm trying to improve my base anytime that I'm working on it. And there's, yeah. there's like, if my head's not in it or whatever, it can be a, either a frustrating task or I could possibly, you know, actually cause damage to the instrument, right? Like in an extreme case. Um, so I've done like, you know, and, and I tweak this document, but I actually keep a document that has all of, all of this information for me on like a one page or just a word document that I keep on my desktop so that I know like, okay, if, you know, if my action's high, this is the way that I turn it. Um, or if, you know, this, these are the tools that I'm going to need so that I can, you know, for each base, they'll have like different sizes or whatever, but I'll have that already notated in it. So it's a no brainer. So I'm, I'm, whenever I'm doing the setup, this is like relaxed time because I'm just following steps. Yep. Just one by one. And I've tweaked these instructions and they feel, you know, it, it, it takes a lot of the guesswork and a lot of the figuring out. And, and at this point it's still second nature, but I, I still rely on the document because it's just yeah. like, it's my safety net to make sure I'm, I'm, you know, doing, doing the right adjustments. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So taking notes on what you've done, also, like, you know, being able to reverse it, be able to back it out or right. whatever, like that's, I mean, it's really powerful, whatever, you know, whatever adjustments that you're making. Yeah. Um, yeah, so absolutely. And, and, you know, I think, you know, again, this is, this is a cure for that problem of, you know, when you're having that fret buzz at low frets or if the action just overall is just way too high, right? right. This will help you solve that problem, you know, either tightening the truss to bow the neck backward and lower right. the action or if things are fretting it like if you're getting that low fret buzz yeah then loosening it up a little bit to to raise the action up slightly now right. what we haven't talked about here and we'll talk about in another episode at some point is uh bridge adjustments right and those are typically for when you're having problems only at the higher frets that's right right so like like you know past like fret you know, nine or 10 or something like that. Right. Um, that's where you want to start looking at the bridge and the height adjustments for your strings. So yeah. we'll cover that another time. Yeah. And, and while we will, you know, it's good to table that for now. It, it is important that if you're using this information, when you're going about it, if you do find that that's buzzing so that it, you know, it's not going to drive you mad, like uh, continually readjusting the truss rod to get rid of that buzz. That's not going to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's going to throw everything else off. By the time you fix that, then everything else is set, offset. Yeah, absolutely. So, Well, that seems like a good place to stop for uh, for today. Um, I, we really appreciate you guys uh, bearing with us and listening to uh, an explanation of how your trust rod works. We hope you picked up some good information there. Um, we really want to hear from you guys about what you learned, uh, what you didn't learn, uh, you know, 
anything that you'd like us to cover in a future episode. And to do that, it's really easy. So you can visit our website, which is practicalbase.com. You can leave us feedback there. You can also email us at podcast at practicalbase.com. You can get in touch with us via our Facebook page for Practical Base. You can find us at twitter.com slash practical base as well you can uh, hashtag us at practical base you can also even find us at instagram so if you're looking to share a picture uh, of a rig or a problem feel free to shout out to us at uh, at practical base on on instagram as well and um, so that's an easy way to get in touch with us on the socials and uh, give us your your feedback and your critique we really live for the relationship that we can build with you guys the listeners and uh, yeah, each week we basically try and pick up a new topic and cover it here. And the most important thing we would like you to do while you have a couple minutes free and you're listening is to subscribe to this podcast. And that is really easy. Again, if you visit our website, practicalbase.com, there is a subscribe link you can use, which explains how to subscribe using your favorite app. Uh, it's actually very easy. If you have an iPhone, just use the podcasts app. If you have an Android uh, phone, you can use Google Play Music. You can use Stitcher Radio on any platform or basically any podcatching app that is out there, including iTunes. And just search for Practical Base. You'll find our friendly uh, black and white PB logo. And when you get the link to subscribe, just hit that link. And you're going to get a fresh episode delivered to you each week with all the latest tips and tricks to making your gigs and your gear better and better each week. And uh, we hope to hear uh, from you, and we hope you will listen to us next week when we explore another topic. And until then, I'm Paul Freelds. I'm Dave Guzman. And this has been Practical Base. Thanks for listening. Mine is like all over the place. <laughs> like I could take your raw feed and just print it. Right. And mine, it would like, it literally would, people would feel like they were being shot in both ears <laughs> at one time. <laughs> I don't know how you do it, Dave. Well, I did swallow a compressor once, so maybe it's a, <laughs> it was, <laughs> I lost a bet.